All the talk, all the time. This is TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. This is David Spada here with Elliot Harris and our special guest host, guest Natty Larissa. Well, let's get to our next guest. A gentleman who played with the Cleveland Browns and Miami Dolphins, an eight-time Pro Bowler, NFL Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champ, Paul Warfield. How you doing, Paul? Very well. Thank you so much. Paul, we've got uh, Elliot Harris, who's a Sun-Times columnist in studio, and also our other guest host today, just filling in, is Nadia Larissa. She plays in the Lingerie Football League. Okay. And she's <laughs> a wide receiver. <laughs> well, we're from one wide receiver to another. Uh, pleased to meet you, Nadia. Pleased to meet you as well. Although it'd be tough for her to match some of the smooth moves that you had back in the day. <laughs> well, thank you for saying so. Um, but I'm sure Nadia is very capable on her own. I am capable. <laughs> but if you have any advice for a rookie receiver, let me know. I'm willing to listen. Okay. That's good. <laughs> so, Paul, David Spada here. You played with the Browns, with some great players, with the Dolphins. You both you had great coaches with both teams. What was the key to the success of the Browns and the Dolphins back when you were playing for them? Well, you know, certainly players uh, contribute and top players contribute. And my first year with the Cleveland Browns, uh, which is a long time ago, 1964 season, uh, the legendary Jim Brown was a member of our offensive unit. He being perhaps the greatest runner that uh, pro football has ever seen, uh, certainly you'd get some argumentation, I, I guess, from Chicago fans because you had the great Walter Payton there. Uh, however, uh, Jim Brown is really legendary and uh, was a great, great player. Uh, additionally, we had uh, fine offensive players and great defense. Uh, with the Dolphins, I think you could build the same case when you're talking about Larry Zonka offensively, who's a Hall of Famer with a great offensive line containing at least two Hall of Fame participants in Larry Little and uh, uh, also our center Jim Langer and, of course, Bob Greasy, uh, Hall of Fame himself. So played on two teams that won championships, and uh, we had great players, but we also had great coaches. John Shula, legendary great coach in the National Football League. Glenn Collier some, in Cleveland, somewhat of an unsung hero uh, because he was a very low-key personality, but a great coach in his own right also. And he had to follow in the footsteps of the legendary Paul Brown. Absolutely, which uh, was a large shadow that was cast over the Cleveland organization when Paul Brown uh uh, departed, but Blanton Collier took uh, a team immediately within two years to uh, and then NFL championship. Is there something to be said for that, not laid back, but for that sort of calm demeanor? In Chicago, people complain that Levy Smith doesn't uh, exhibit the same behavior that a Mike Ditka did. <laughs> well, of course, Mike Ditka, a great player in his own right, and I uh, played in that era when Ditka was there. And, and uh, part of the Chicago mood with uh, George Hallis as uh, its head coach, uh, Lovey is different, but, you know, Lovey has proven to be very, very successful, very much like Blanton Collier, a guy who didn't want to bring a lot of attention to himself, uh, very, very humble, but all he wanted to do was win football games, found a way to communicate what he wanted 
from his players. It wasn't bombastic or whatever, but the results were coming in. And I think when you really look at Lovey's work of art uh, in Chicago since he's been there, Bear fans would, uh, I think, in uh, Chicago and should be uh, very pleased. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people were hoping after they were stumbling, the Bears were stumbling in midseason, that maybe the Bears would have a, a horrible season, then that way they could get rid of Lovey. But you look look at his one-loss record and where he's taken the team, it, it's tough to argue against him. Well, I, I would agree with that. And I think that you're more interested in results. And, uh, you know, you know, bombast, uh, a whole lot of other things, talk and so forth. But it all comes down to wins and losses. And Lovey has gotten his team since he's been in Chicago uh, into one Super Bowl uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, came very close, did not succeed there. You know, stumble for a year or so, but he's right back at the doorstep and could be in that big game for another chance too. And and you're so right that you know a few months ago, mid-season, when the when the Bears had not hit their stride, you know, I couldn't believe that I was hearing the voices coming out of Chicago land or that area of the country that you know hopefully you know things would demise and you think about replacing this guy because I think he's really been an asset for the Bears organization. Your coach, Don Shula, you got to give that guy credit. When you played for the Dolphins, they were a running team. You had great running backs, Mercury Morris, Larry Zonka, and then he gets Dan Marino, and the offense switches to a passing. Most coaches cannot adjust, but this guy did, and that's what Lovey, I think, has done in Chicago. We went from a running team, now with Mike Martz as the offensive coordinator, to a passing team. I think that uh, that's a true uh, indicator, uh, certainly, of uh greatness or certainly outstanding coach and uh you're right don shula had it initially john shula made his mark in baltimore years ago when the legendary and and late john unitas uh was uh the quarterback and those were not necessarily running teams in baltimore those years because they had a great great passing attack with uh, hall of famer john unitas raymond berry and, and other great receivers lenny moore uh, so and they were at the top of their game as a passing team. Then in Miami, uh, with the great running attack that was there, featuring the likes of Larry Zocker and Mercury Morris, whom you mentioned, and also Jake, Jim Kick, you know, John changed to a, a run or ground-oriented, time-consuming, minutes-off-the-clock coach. And yet, then a few years later, when Marino comes in, he goes back. So the flexibility there, I think you're right in making that uh, assessment that, you know, Lovey Lovey Smith is that kind of coach that he can make the adjustments. And uh, I think that you have a treasure there, and I think it should be greatly appreciated. And as Brian Urlacher said uh, uh, the other day, that uh, coming out and speaking very vocally for his coach is an indicator of what the Chicago Bears feel, players feel about Lovey. As a former wide receiver, do you ever say to yourself, why didn't I have Dan Marino throwing to me? I mean, if Bob Greasy threw 20 passes a game, that that was a lot back in, <laughs> in the day when you were playing. Well, let me give you an indicator. Uh, I forget what year it is, and it's because there's been a lot of years in between, but I believe it was the final year that we were uh, going uh, for a second uh, consecutive uh, Lombardi trophy, but we played in the AFC Championship game against the Oakland Raiders. And I think the number of passes that we attempted that day was seven. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, when we played the Vikings uh, in Houston, Texas, in the Super Bowl uh, game of that year, and we beat the Vikings uh, for our second consecutive Super Bowl win, we attempted a grand total of six passes. So 
in two uh, highly important ball games, we attempted a total of 13 passes to, to win the AFC title game and then the uh, Super Bowl contest. You had the President of the United States, Richard Nixon, step up and call your coach, Don Shula, before Super Bowl six and tell him, you know what, you got to throw a pass to uh, <clears throat> Paul Warfield here if you guys want to win this game. Did that make you feel special? Well, you know, it made me feel special in that I've been a Democrat all of my life <laughs> and a Republican president. <laughs> but, you know, I'm about civility in this sense, <laughs> since that word is mentioned a lot these days. But, no, it certainly uh, makes one feel, uh, I-, I would say, special when the President of the United States uh, takes notice to uh, what you do and sends a special note to your coach saying, well, you got to do this. Now, nowadays, the wide receivers, they just don't stop talking. <laughs> you were such a, a quiet, humble guy. Do you look and say, somewhere along the line, some, something got crazy? <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, I see a lot of things that uh, are happening. And, uh, you know, I'm an old school guy who, you know, uh, comes from another era, obviously. And I, I just believe that, you know, you respect your opponents. Uh, you respect them for their toughness. You expect them for, respect them for what, for what they've accomplished. And you give them the ultimate respect when you're playing on this field. I want to beat them as bad as the, uh, the next guy. And my whole focus and concentration is doing that. I just don't think that you do it on the sideline with all these verbiage, all this version about what you're going to do and so forth. After all, you know, you're talking about football, and in this sense, is a team-oriented sport. Now, I may feel personally that I may be capable of doing a whole lot of things, but I've got to have people to help me along those lines to accomplish those things. Now, if you're playing in a single sport, you know, tennis or golf or something or other, and, you know, if you feel like you want to uh, engage in a lot of verbiage, well, then you can back that up yourself. But you can't account for all the rest of your teammates. So, uh, But nevertheless, uh I believe in respect and competitiveness, and that's a part of the sport, all the sports. Who are you rooting for in these playoffs? I don't uh, really, as the old saying goes, uh, maybe I shouldn't use the term have a dog in the fight. but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Michael uh, Vick might have a dog in the fight. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, that's <laughs> I won't go there. But nevertheless, uh, I, I do think that certainly in your case in Chicago, you know, uh, you know I'm a historian in this sense, and you've got – Two great teams coming from the old, old NFL, from a specific division in the old NFL, and, uh, you know, great history and with the Packers and even as great or greater history uh, with the Chicago Bears, going back to the old legend of Monsters of the Midway and the, and, and, and the Packers with all of their great teams. Uh, so I'm kind of really specially interested in this game, although on the other side, the AFC, you know, Pittsburgh is... you got to hate Pittsburgh. They used to basically knock you guys around, didn't they? Well, you know, how can I how can I really sincerely hate Pittsburgh when my wife is from Pittsburgh? Oh, <laughs> but, that settles uh, that. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, no, I mean, again, great rivalry, you know, as far as the Cleveland-Pittsburgh thing geographically and really the all those geographical state boundaries, the, you know, the two uh, uh, entries are only about a couple of hours away, which is about the case between Chicago and, uh, and the Green Bay Packers. So it's, you know, it's got all of the things that you'd want in, and uh, the Bears, as you said, have been playing well. They've come all the way back this year, and the Packers uh, were about eliminated from the playoffs, and they found a way to get in, and they're one of the hottest teams right now. That's the game that uh, I'll really be tuning in, although certainly I'll be interested in watching 
Pittsburgh play against the New York Jets. Okay. Speaking of history in Cleveland, are you a Baltimore Ravens fan, a Cleveland Browns fan? How does that work? Who do, who do you root for? Oh, obviously a Cleveland Browns fan. I grew up in a small town that was just uh, southeast of Cleveland, about uh, an hour's driving time away. And as a youngster growing up, I identified with all the Cleveland sports teams, went to the stadium, and like most youngsters, you know, peered down on that field while I was in the stands and said, geez, wouldn't it be great if I could play for one of these teams? And, you know, the dream came true as a collegiate being drafted by the Cleveland Browns. So, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I have great respect for what they've accomplished over in Baltimore, and that's a part of the old Cleveland organization, but I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. What's going on with Jim Brown? I mean, he's had a tumultuous life. Now he's fighting with the Cleveland Browns ownership again. I mean, no one knows why he's upset at him. Well, you know, I'm not necessarily backing off your question, but, you know, uh, I can't really, you know, answer for Jim Brown what he thinks, what he does. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a little bit on the outside of that. I don't know what the issues are, and, you know, obviously no one speaks for Jim Brown. So, uh, you know, will they get, will things be resolved? I don't know. Uh, and I'm just, you know, on the outside looking in as far as that's concerned. I want to thank you very much, Paul, for taking the time to be with us. You're a legendary player, a great guy. I mean, these accomplishments are absolutely incredible. The one year you had under 20 catches, and you were still an all-pro player. And you know what? I wish more players today could be like you, show the class, the respect, the knowledge of the game, and I think the sport would be a lot better. Well, thank you so very much for having me on your program. It's uh, been a pleasure to talk to all of you, and uh, I'll be watching the Bears and the Packers this weekend. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Paul. So That was Paul Warfield, Hall of Famer, Cleveland Brown, Miami Dolphin. When we come back, we'll have another guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, legendary player for the Green Bay Packers, a gentleman Elliot's very familiar with, the writer, and we'll be back in a few minutes. If you're injured at work, don't try to be a hero and work in pain. Immediately tell your boss how you were injured and seek medical treatment. Then call my guy, attorney David Spada, to make sure that your rights are protected. David will fight for the payment of your medical bills, lost wages, and settlement. Insurance companies and employers have individuals representing their interests. Why not you? You must have an experienced attorney on your side. All fees are contingent upon your recovery. Call David Spada at 847-729-COMP. That's 847-729-2667. Important medical alert to Avandia users. The diabetes drug Avandia has been linked to serious heart-related injury and even death. If you or a loved one used Avandia and suffered a heart attack, heart failure, stroke, or heart-related death, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Recent congressional reports and FDA studies have found an increased risk of heart attacks and heart failure in patients using the drug Avandia. Time is limited to file a claim. Don't wait. Submit your claim today. Call 1-800-943-9035. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Call now for your free consultation. 1-800-943-9035. That's 1-800-943-9035. Find out your legal rights today. Time is limited to file a claim. Call 1-800-943-9035. The attorney responsible for this advertisement is Carrie L. Steigerwald, admitted in California, office address 3636 Noble Drive, Suite 350, San Diego, California, 92122. Cases may be referred to or independently handled by other law firms. 
Anyone can create a podcast on the web. In fact, there are millions of them online. But if you want quality Internet talk radio, just remember this address, TalkZone.com. TalkZone is Internet talk radio for planet Earth with talented hosts, great guests, and good conversation. Ready to share your thoughts and ideas with a global audience? Become a TalkZone show host yourself. Learn more at TalkZone.com. Internet talk radio for planet Earth. Talk